This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Denise Crosby. I play Tasha Yar on Star Trek The Next Generation, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, listeners, to another cup of Earl Grey. I'm your host, Pierre LaRocco, and joined with me today is Kevin Scarf and Amy Nelson. How's everyone doing today? Oh, peachy keen. Doing great. As of this recording, Las Vegas is opening up another stage. Casinos are opening. It's very exciting, but very limited. So it's nice, slow open, which I think is appropriate for our city. It's uh, it's springtime here now, almost summer, I would call it. We went from snow two weeks ago to temperatures in the high 80s this week. And we had our first major thunderstorm last night. And the power was out for hours and hours and hours. So, yeah, it's great. Oh, my gosh. Well, we've had excessive heat warnings already for the past three days. So <laughs> we're already up in the 107, 108 range. And it's still May. It has been hot here, but not as hot as where Amy <laughs> Nelson lives. Um, it's been in the 80s here, so that's exciting. Um, lots of sun, and, um, and we're getting there. We're also in stage two, sort of. Um, we're rolling out between counties. So um, this our county will be in stage two as of next Saturday. So if Star Trek Las Vegas happens, Kevin, Pierre, would you come this year? Well, for me, it's going to depend on whether the border is open, if I can get a cheap flight. Um, yeah, I don't have that many vacation days left this year because I already used a bunch up to go to Walt Disney World earlier in the year before everything shut down. So if I could swing it, I would probably come. I will not be coming this year, but definitely next year. Um, I just kind of, kind of stay hunkered down and um, see what September yeah. brings. Yeah, uh, thankfully, since I live here, if it happens, then I can go on over. But I'm not planning on getting a hotel as of right now. I did hear that the Rio is having their reopening sale, which is cheaper. If you book a hotel, it's cheaper to just go to them directly and not say you're going to STLV because I think there's only a 10, 15% discount. But if you book right now, then you can save 25% on room rates. So just thought I'd throw that out for anyone who might be coming. And listeners, let us know if you are going to come to STLV. I'd be happy to meet you. Yeah, we shall see. We shall see. I, I, it's not in the plan right at the moment, but you never know. Things could, uh, things could change between now and then. We still have a few months. Yeah. So we have some Babel Conference feedback. Our first Babel Conference feedback is for Earl Grey 326, introducing the new hosts. Right, and uh, Tim Hands uh, said, it's so nice that awesome Amy is staying put and continuing to do the show. She's been the heart of Earl Grey for years. And we're very happy that Amy has stayed too, because someone's got to hold our hands through this transition. That is what I am doing. No, I'm not transitioning out. There has been some questions to me, personal 
direct messages, but no, I love Earl Grey. I love, obviously, our new host because we got you on here. And so thank you, Tim. Uh, it has been three years. I can't even believe it. So time yeah. does fly when you're having fun. It does. Vera Bible says, congratulations to Rhea, Kevin, and Pierre. You will all do a wonderful job. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Vera. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, this this makes what? episode The fourth episode of Earl Grey I've been on once as a guest. This is my third episode as a host. And uh, so far, it's been a blast. And I can't see that changing anytime soon. Uh, like I said uh, in the introduction episode, just having the chance to chat Star Trek with good friends uh, once a week is good for the soul, and I can't see that changing anytime soon. And I appreciate it also there. Um, I, I appreciate your vote of confidence that we will do wonderful. Um, and we will see if we do wonderful. You will, no doubt in my mind. <laughs> Don't worry. You worry too much, Pierre. We also have an email that was sent to us. We love getting emails from our listeners and you can always shoot us an email from the Trek FM website. Amy, what emails do we have today? Well, we have one from Tracy and she writes, hi guys, I have an idea for a show. I would love to hear your thoughts on how TNG would have been different if Tasha Yar had not died. Specifically, where do you think her character would slash could have gone? And also, how would Worf's character have been different if he had not become Chief of Security? Thanks, Tracy. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for your email and your suggestion for a great idea. I think we will address that pretty t soon, I would say. <laughs> I would say so. I, I agree. So let me introduce our topic. We love hearing from listeners and listeners' ideas, and we take them seriously. That is why we are going to start a new series. And this topic in this series is going to be what-if scenarios. So we are going to go through different what-if scenarios and talk about if something happened or didn't happen or happened differently, what would the rest of Star Trek look like? So I'm really excited about this um, about this series and talking about what-if scenarios. I think it's going to be really fun um, and a real good chance to use our imagination. Oh, I agree, and I've been uh, thinking about this since uh, since the topic came up, so uh, I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about our different scenarios, and uh, I know I've got some ideas. So this type of topic really scares me because I'm not that creative, and I'm uh, like, why do we need what ifs? We, it, we have the show, the writers gave us, but after... <laughs> You know, sort of mulling it over and you guys showing your enthusiasm, I'm feeling a little bit more confident, but I think there's so many times when you see out in social media or talking to people and they're always asking, well, what if this, what if that? And so we have a bunch of what if scenarios already lined up. We're going to be doing this quite a few times, which is why we're calling this part one so that we can try and address all of these what-ifs that happen to come up in TNG. I am I am now looking forward to it. As you should, Amy Nelson. I, I think this will be a nice chance for us to use our imaginations, see if we can come up with, uh, with interesting scenarios, and uh, just really think about what could have been different if, if small choices had been made differently. All right, so let's take us on to our first what-if scenario. Our first what-if scenario is, what if Tasha Yar did not die? Mm. This was the topic that got me excited. I, um, I thought about all of the possibilities about how the entire franchise could be different if Tasha hadn't died. Uh, we do get a glimpse of it in yesterday's Enterprise, and um, that's really the episode where 
I think I'm going to take my my extrapolation is going to come from there is is from yesterday's enterprise. I when I thought about not losing Tasha, I still am hopeful that we would get Worf's character development because he is the Klingon. So I don't think that Worf's development would have changed that much. And I always hear a lot of people say, well, if Worf wasn't chief of security, then we wouldn't have gotten any of the Klingon stories. I don't think that's exactly true because they wouldn't have not explored that with him being the only Klingon serving in Federation. Mm -hmm. I do think that he would have maybe gone once Wesley left, that maybe he would have stepped up you know, and been on the con. Wait. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Whichever the one Wesley was on. And <clears throat> so that would have given him a little bit more importance. Uh, but I definitely still feel strongly that they would have continued his Klingon character arc. I think so too. Uh, I think Worf was a fan favorite from the beginning. And, uh, while he was a more minor character at the beginning of season one, fans noticed him and wanted to know more about him. And uh, this was a case of the fans getting what they wanted. So I don't think if Tasha had been around that we would have gotten fewer. Well, we may have gotten fewer Worf stories, but they still would have been important Worf stories and uh, stories about the Klingon Empire. Um, when Worf got to Deep Space Nine, of course, he'd switched from being in security to being in command. That could have been a way Worf's storyline went even earlier. Mm. Um, so we could have seen him in command red uh, right from the beginning. Oh yeah. So I, I'm not exactly sure if Worf stays. I think that if Tasha stays, Worf gets bored of not really having much of a role. And he takes commander Kinnera's offer from heart of glory and he joins that ship after his six months is over on the Enterprise. Ooh. Well, what was Worf's job on the bridge before Tasha died? What was his... What was his he was sort of in the... He was yellow, right? No, he, no, he was, was red. In red in the first season. Okay. I don't know. He was just standing in the back at one of the stations. Which didn't really make sense because the stations from left to right are science one, science two. And then you have security behind, directly behind where Tasha stood. And then you have in, in, engineering. engineering one and two. Right. Yeah. But he was kind of like standing with science. But he wasn't a science officer. Right? Well, according to my research here, he was a tactical officer. Relief flight control and tactical officer at the beginning of the series. So, um, yeah, hmm. I mean, he, he maybe he would have been the go-to guy for uh, mission briefings and things like that. Uh, not that they listened to him much even once he became chief of security. <laughs> right. Ray Shields, hold on, Mr. Worf. <laughs> Fire phasers. No, not right now. Yep. Red alert. No, 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 Mr. Worf. <laughs> yeah, they didn't listen to him too often. <laughs> no, no. I'd like to explore this also. So after Tashiar left, Troy and, and Crusher became very close. How does that relation? How would that relationship be influenced if Tasha stays? So I didn't really see Troy and Beverly get close until season five. So there still was quite a few early seasons, but in season one with Tasha, the naked now. You know, Tasha went to Troy to get her feminine influence. And so I think that could have been explored. And I think that Tasha and Troy would have been closer friends right from the beginning. And that would have continued. It may have developed into all of them becoming friends. But I think 
Crusher may have been left out because if they develop that friendship, you know, they always sort of like doing it in pairs like Jordy and Data, you know, Bashir and O'Brien. So I think that <clears throat> I think that Tasha and Troy would have been friends for a lot longer of the seasons. That's a great. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, they, they'd be best buds. I, I can see that because Tasha and Deanna spent most of their working shifts on the bridge and Beverly was away in sickbay. So, you know, sort of out of sight, out of mind. So, you know, when I would assume that Tasha and Deanna would have had the same shifts when the shift's over, I want to head to 10 forward for a drink or some chocolate. Sure. You know, I think they would have hung out quite a bit. Yeah. And I think Tasha needs some counseling and therapy after her rough childhood. So it would have been a, a good relationship. Do you think Tasha would have formed romantic interests with anyone in the crew? Would we have seen uh, any Tasha romances or would she have become the female Riker? I think she would have become the female Riker and had her one-offs because they tried doing that with Troy because Troy had quite a few flings here Mm -hmm. and there. So that could have been spread around a little bit more with Tasha. I mean, Beverly had a couple one-off romances, but I think with Tasha, especially when we see in Code of Honor with that one guy, the, you know, one head guy, like taking an interest in her, like they sort of were setting her up to be that, I think. And then, yeah, with her and Data naked now, like she was... The Riker, the female Riker. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think, especially at that point in TNG, I don't think they were really looking to to make any sort of major relationship decisions. Like everything, and everything was just kind of in and out. Or even the um, the relationships we knew about, they weren't like they didn't build on each other. It was just. We just knew they were there, and it was it was sort of happening. Um, so I don't think that they would have they would have um, decided that like she was in a relationship with anybody. I do think that it would have been interesting to really explore her and Data's relationship because Data even even alludes to it later, where like they were really close. I think they've there was a lot off that wasn't on the screen to their relationship of how close they were. Um, cause we even, see, we see it in like season four and five and six where data talks about how they were close. Um, so I think that we would see, have seen more on screen with that. Yeah. If Tasha hadn't have died, then data, you know, if they did explore that relationship, then he wouldn't have needed to create, uh, his dating program, which ended so terribly. Cause he could have had, you know, Tasha to sort of walk him through it. That <laughs> Oh, that's a funny episode. <laughs> no, I think also what you were saying with Tosh and the relationships and like the previous relationships, like we know Troy and Riker have a history. We know Beverly and Picard have a history. So I think with Tasha, because they already have those two relationships sort of in the background, I think Tasha would have been the female Riker, like we said, like just the one-off relationships. And she would have been leading a lot of away teams too. So she would be the one making contact with the locals. So that makes sense that she would, um, that that would be sort of her, her job, not job, but you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. As chief of security, she'd be going on all the away missions and interacting with more alien species and different worlds. And there's bound to be relationships as Riker shows us you would think i mean you you would have the opportunity for tasha and Riker to take shore leave at the same time on risa and risa would never be the same again (laughs) yeah so if that were the case would it have been tasha to bring back the game or would we still say Riker's going to bring back the game (laughs) good question good question now i think the big Yestra's Enterprise. The whole episode hinged on Tasha being dead. Um, Guinan knew something was wrong. Uh, it wasn't 
specifically because Tasha was dead, but she knew that was a major component. And uh, that's that's an episode I I just rewatched this morning, and um, so it, it was Tasha who who uh, sacrificed herself, and it was Tasha that the whole plot hinged on. But it was because she should not have been there. So how do you think that episode might have played out differently if Tasha had been there all along? Right. So what would have been the clue to Guinan that something was different, that this was a different timeline? That's a really good question. The only thing I could think of that that could fix it is if um, they were fighting the Klingons in that episode. The Federation was at war with the Klingons in this alternate timeline. If the Klingon ship had shown up while Guinan was on the bridge and the captain hailed and it was Worf and Guinan had seen Worf on the other side, then she would have like, well, that's not right. He should be here. But once we switched timelines, we didn't see Worf again in the whole episode. Uh, so that is a great tie into what Pierre was saying. If Worf decided to get bored and went over to the Klingon. And then we saw in yesterday's enterprise that that would have been the clue. Oh my gosh. Full circle. I love it. (laughs) So again, tying into yesterday's enterprise, if Tasha had been alive through the whole thing, we would assume that she would survive uh, the outcome of yesterday's enterprise, which means uh, alternate Tasha would never have, uh, gotten together with a Romulan commander and there would not be a Sela, And that shakes up the last half of Next Generation. It does. Big time. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's <laughs> the major ramifications with if we don't have Sela to then, mess up that whole Romulan and the and whole the Klingons. reunification was- and all and of that. She was uh, trying to overthrow the Klingon Empire with the Duras sisters too. There was a lot of political machinations that were going on because of Sila, and she never would have been born if Tasha hadn't died uh, in season one. Right. So let me take that a little farther. Okay. If Sila never happens, then do the Romulans ever realize they need to clone Picard? And does Nemesis never happen? What? (laughs) We cannot go down that road. I love Nemesis. (laughs) Right? Because because if you look at the timeline, they they got the genetic code from Picard before he was really important. So they knew he would become important somehow, which I'm guessing they learned from Tasha or one of the other captives. So you never create the clone... And then what, what what happens with Nemesis? Oh, my gosh. I'm sure some listeners would be like, yay, no Nemesis. But that's just wrong. That's just wrong. Pierre, don't even think that way. Well, and then, of course, that affects what happens in Star Trek Picard. Exactly. And Empire, and, you know, we would be in a, t- a totally different place if Tasha had survived season one. Wow. These are some serious ramifications going on here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just ripples, ripples in the ripples in the ocean. And then does Voyager ever get lost? <laughs> okay, okay, you have to rationalize that one. For yeah, me. I'm like, where did that come from? There is no rationalization. <laughs> okay. Just... <laughs> <laughs> so, do we have any more thoughts about Tasha not dying and what would have happened? I love Denise Crosby. I think she's she's great. And I would have loved to have seen her stick around. Um, I, I mean, I guess I get why she left the show in season one. But, uh, yeah, it, we would have had a whole different series if she had stayed. It, it would not have ended the way it did. Even in All Good Things, right? That was one of the, deli- the differentiations uh, between the timelines and All Good Things. Oh, Tasha's in this one. So we know it's, you know. Yeah, the past. The past. So, fun things to work to think about. Yeah. How would all good things have been different if Tasha was in all three? If maybe, 
this is just my little Troy heart happy. If Tasha was alive and stayed alive, then maybe she would have been the one who was dead in the future and not Troy. Mm. There. There you go. Mm. Interesting. It all comes back to Troy. <laughs> in my mind, it does. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they both would have survived because as we surmise, Tasha and Troy were best friends and Tasha would have been there to save Troy. Mm. Yes. So speaking of Troy, let us move on to our second topic of the day. Okay. What if Thomas Riker stayed on the Enterprise D? Okay, Thomas Riker. This, when I was thinking about this, because I read a couple of books, one of them being Imzadi, it definitely goes into Thomas working with the, uh, who's the... Bajoran people. Maki. The Maki. Yeah. So they have Thomas working with the Maki. Well, and they actually have that in Deep Space Nine also. So he wouldn't have joined the Maki, um, which has its own ramifications from there. I don't know that we would have seen him in Deep Space Nine. So that would be the first obvious one. Do you think that Will would have ever come to accept Thomas as his own but different? I don't know. Um, part of me says no. Um, part of me says that Star, Star Trek's above that and that they would have worked it out. Um, but here's, here's, here's another question with that. Like, did Picard even act like that was an opportunity for Thomas? Like, I don't remember that conversation where, where it was even kind of brought up that he could stay. Well, I sort of assumed that he could because when Thomas put on the uniform and he was lieutenant? He was lieutenant. Right? Yeah, lieutenant. And that he was sort of fitting in and doing work on the Enterprise. So he was back to working. So I would have assumed that he could have stayed on because he was already being integrated into the crew. Mm -hmm. See, I thought it was just for that mission because they knew that he knew the surface so well. I, I was always under the thought that after that, they would go back to a space station and, and let him and a psychiatrist talk for a very long time. And then Starfleet would figure out where they're going to reassign him. I never thought that he was being brought into the crew fully other than just that mission. Hmm. I can see how. Yeah. I have a wacky thought about how things may have turned out. So let's say Thomas Riker stays. And then we get a couple of episodes where Jonathan Frakes is playing both parts. And that's a lot of work to play two, to, to play two parts. So we need to get rid of one of the Rikers. What if instead of Thomas leaving, Will takes a promotion and Will goes off and becomes captain of his own ship. And now Thomas Riker becomes the Riker who's on the Enterprise. I think that's a that's an intriguing possibility that, you know, maybe Will would have taken a promotion earlier if Thomas had stayed. You know, you were saying that and I was like, yeah, that would free up Will to take a promotion. And I would have liked to have seen that because Thomas would have definitely explored his relationship with Troy. Like he wasn't going to let that go. And so then we could have seen an actual officer working and trying to have this functional, good relationship that we could have seen that because we don't see good relationships on Star Trek. I mean, outside of Jake and, and uh, Cisco, Jake and Benjamin, yeah. Like, we don't see any really good relationships. So we could have had Riker, Riker uh, Thomas and Troy totally make that work while yeah. Will gets to go off and advance his career. It really would be the best of both worlds. Exactly. 
and Jonathan Frakes would get to stay on the show. You had to explore a new side of the character. And because technically it's still the same character, but, you know, yeah. played differently. I think it would have been a really fun switch up for the second half of the season, series if, if that had happened. I think it could have been really fun to watch. So question. Mm-hmm. If Thomas were to do that, but he's not as career minded, would Troy still be as attracted to him? I don't think so. No? I think Troy liked the fact that that Will was was all about his career and leadership and leading and leading men and women and and being in control of a very large spaceship and and being in he being the man. I mean ambition is attractive. Well Thomas had the same ambition. He just didn't have a chance to a chance to uh, fulfill that ambition. So, you know, Troy, I don't know, would she be okay with being the supportive wife who who pushes her husband gently towards his destinies? That could be interesting. I, I, I do think I would like to have seen more Riker-Troy relationship on the series, and I, I think this would have been a fun way to explore that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I really like that. I think... I mean, obviously, Thomas was wanting to advance his career once when they were together. But after that time, you know, being split, I think that his ambition changed into, yeah, I I would prefer to have a family over a career. I think that was sort of made clear with his desire to be with Deanna and, you know, have that relationship. Yeah, I, I agree, Amy. He was he was all in on just being with Diana because um, he does he talks about how he how he he thought about it for years and realized and 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 she says about how um, Will Riker never went to the waterfalls that he took an assignment somewhere else and he says that I would never make that mistake um, so yeah he he was all in and and I, and I think you're right Amy I think Troy likes the man with the ambition. Because really, they don't get together at the end until they figure out how they can have both, right? Like, how yeah. can he fulfill his ambitions, and 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 he realizes he's never getting the captaincy of the Enterprise, and that's kind of like the the ultimate thing. He realizes that, and he's just going to go take um, a different captaincy, and then that's when she's like, "Okay, I guess I'll marry you, and then I can go follow you." So, Kevin. Mm-hmm. going if Thomas stayed and Will went off, would we have Nepenthe in the episode in Picard? Because I don't think that Picard would have easily come to William Riker or wouldn't have come to Thomas Riker because they're different people. So I don't think we would have gotten Nepenthe. Hmm. So this leads me to the question, what would the command structure of the Enterprise be if Will left? Would Data have been promoted to first officer? Yes. And then, and then what job would Thomas Riker have? Would he take over Data's position at Ops? So he'd be on the bridge? I can't remember what, what Thomas Riker's actual job was. Will was an engineer. He came up to the engineering ranks. Um, oh, did so he? So I'm guessing Thomas was an engineer. Um, okay. So maybe well, they could have then promoted Jordy to lieutenant commander and then Thomas to uh, chief engineer. Right. I don't know about... See, and that's part of... That's what bothered... Like, Thomas is just showing up. Like, I, I think there are other engineers in front of him for chief. You know, I think that's where this problem, like, where does he fit with the senior officers? I think Barkley becomes chief engineer before Thomas Riker does. <laughs> oh, dear. Help us all. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he would definitely have to work his way up through the ranks. I mean, starting all the way down at lieutenant, but I think I, he I could... think I think you would have seen him 
at the helm, you know, either at ops uh, doing what Data was doing or flying the ship. You know, Jordy ended up in, uh, as chief engineer and he started as the con officer. So uh, even if you've got an engineering background, doesn't mean you're not going to work on the bridge. Or he could have been uh, still on the bridge, but at one of those engineering stations in the back. He could have been doing Worf's job from season one. <laughs> Just standing with, in the with back. With Tasha in front of him. Yeah. yeah. How would that be, listeners, <laughs> if you do any digital you know, create pictures. Let's get a bridge picture with Tasha there, Worf over on one of those science stations, and we'll have Jordy and Thomas Riker back on the engineering stations. How beautiful would that picture be? It would be, it would be fun to see. Yeah. Yes, it would. And we could just have everyone and yeah, Riker, uh, Picard, Troy, Beverly sitting next to Troy, as she usually does, and then Wesley and Data in the front. This could have been one of the parallel universes that Worf was bouncing through in that episode. Oh, man, yes. That parallel in season seven, that could have answered all of our what-ifs. And good thing they didn't, because now we have a what-if series to talk about. (laughs) Exactly. But Yeah, and it's really interesting, like, to go back to the Nepenthe from Picard, like, yeah, I don't think he goes to them. I mean, I know Picard has a very close relationship with Troy, so that may have brought him there. That may have. Mm. But I sort of feel like Picard went to see, well, both of them. So I don't know if one of them would have been enough draw. I think you're right. He went to see both of them, but I also think he chose them because he chose them over a bunch of other people, right? He could have gone to see Beverly Crusher. But right. I think he chose them because he. I think he also felt that Will Will could handle himself in a situation so he didn't feel like he was really putting them out. Because, you know, he tells Will that he's in trouble. And Will's like, shields up. Like, he's got it all ready to go. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting things to think about. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. Shall we move on to a third topic? Yes. Okay. All right. Here we go. Buckle up. This is a good one. What if Picard died in the best of both worlds? Oh, I think this is a short one. If Picard died in best of both worlds, the Borg would have taken over and the Federation would have died and the series would have ended the end. <laughs> <laughs> and that sums it up. <laughs> we wouldn't have had a season four. <laughs> Okay, um, I think why, how would Picard have died? So if Riker at the end says fire, and we lose that entire Borg cube and Picard. So I think the Borg would have been stopped there because I okay. think that was the only one. So I'm going to disagree with you there, Kevin. Okay. Um, then obviously Riker, we would have had Riker is in command and then we would have had Shelby, which I think would be awesome because I really liked her. I love her too. Uh, would it have continued on the same trajectory? Would we have gotten the full seven seasons without Picard? Because we all love Riker and we have everyone else and that could have been sort of, I don't know. I don't know. I think if the writers would have done it, that that losing Picard would have really strained on Riker. And so then maybe he's not making the best decisions, but his crew supports him sort of like Guinan was saying, you, you know, and sort of dealing with that a little bit more. So there could be more mishaps that could have happened if Riker was to stay on as captain. I think it could have brought him and Troy closer together too, because she would have been there to see him through the trouble and the greeting and the, and the blaming himself. You know, if she's his counselor and, and, and his Imzadi, then, uh, 
then I think she might have, it might have accelerated that relationship as well. Oh, yeah. So he, here are my thoughts. My thoughts are this. Picard doesn't die until, so the, 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 the act, the, all the things in Best of Both Worlds Part 1 and 2 happen. Okay? Mm-hmm. Dana, Picard, Jordy, Beverly, with Picard in the holding cell thing. They do their thing. He tells them to put them asleep. He puts them asleep. I think Picard dies when they're trying to remove all of the Borg nanites from him. Mm-hmm. And that becomes too difficult. That's when he dies. Oh. So... Assuming it's Crusher who's removing them, right? With 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 Jordy and Data's assistance. Now, how does Crusher deal with the fact that that she couldn't save Picard, right? How does Jordy deal with that also? And does the Federation just decide to re to reassign them all because of all the trauma and do we have a whole new crew yeah that is really interesting because then i mean assuming Riker stays captain he doesn't have that guilt that guilt is now shifted to beverly i would say mainly because she's the doctor right um so then that would free up yeah Riker doing his job much better because at least he went and saved Picard from the Borg. We just couldn't save him after. So that's not on him. So Beverly having that, ooh, that would be tough for her big Mm -hmm. time. And I think that would trickle down to Wesley as well. Um, Picard was his father figure. uh, And if his mother blames herself for the death of her father, his father figure, you know, that's going to, that's going to affect him. Yeah. And yeah, with Wesley losing now two father figures, he might never join Starfleet having lost, you know, two major losses in his life because of Starfleet. Mm -hmm. Right. Interesting. It also, um, so do you remember the beginning of Deep Space Nine, Cisco's showdown with Picard? Right. You know, the blowout, you know, he blamed Picard for everything that happened. That never would have occurred. Um, so even if Picard, you know, helped the Federation shut down the Borg, would I think Cisco got through some of his anger because he was able to confront Picard. Would would we have ended up with a Captain Cisco or a Commander Cisco at that point? who was more angry than we saw him. You know, I think that's a, that's, that's a possibility. Right. So I always get a little confused. So when Picard was Lacutus and they were attacking, that's the Wolf 359. Yes. So we're saying that still would have happened. Well, it depends on the scenario. The first scenario we talked about, Riker says fire and they destroy the board ship. Then we'd have no Wolf 359. Correct. The second scenario, okay. there is a Wolf 359. Right. Ooh. Yeah. So we need to, yeah, sort of figure out when would Picard have died? Because, yeah, you're right. Those would be different scenarios. And having Cisco be a little bit more angry, more pent up, maybe he wouldn't have been as open to the prophets. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't have become the emissary. Right. And if the other scenario had happened where we stopped the Borg earlier when Riker said fire, then Jennifer never would have died and we would have had happy Cisco. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. And then happy Cisco would have been more likely to be open to the prophets and then become the emissary. <laughs> However, though, if you believe that that Cisco is of the prophets, that that whole destiny was going to happen anyway, and it wouldn't have mattered if you had happy or angry Cisco. 
So it's the prophet's fault that Picard got assimilated. It is. <laughs> Those alien worm wormhole aliens. Uh, it's fun to think about. You know, when I when I saw this part of the of the topic, I was assuming that we never saved Picard, that Picard remained with the Borg. That's why I thought that um, that the whole Federation would fall because the Borg would have access to all the Federation secrets through Picard. So that was my my thinking. I totally misread the topic, thinking that we never did save Picard and uh, he was Locutus. Well, Which is another scenario. Yeah. So died as in Picard dying, but still remaining as Locutus. You definitely could read it that way. So maybe they would have destroyed a large portion of humanity. But I think as Guinan says in part two to Will, it's like, you've got to throw away that book. All of Starfleet, you'd have to throw away the book and come up with something new. So, of course, you're going to have a time period where everything is going to be in flux, where the Borg would have been able to take advantage and, you know, kill a lot of us and assimilate a lot of us. But I think there still would have been a small population, sort of like um, Battlestar Galactica. And maybe we would have been out just small populations, small ships, and trying to survive and to reclaim what we had. Uh, that would be interesting. I love BSG. <laughs> so so that, that brings me to, and I know that we don't really have the answer because it's never explained. But so once you're assimilated into the Borg, do, and I know they then have all of your memories and knowledge and things. Is that like something that, that they keep is that stored or does that then when so like when Picard was taken away do they then lose that information that's a good question you would have to think that as a collective any information would be shared amongst the whole the whole group it doesn't seem to have worked that way but well, uh, yeah when i think about it and the whole collective and this beehive mentality philosophy, I think that definitely that specific cube has the information and all of that Picard knows. But when that cube got destroyed, I don't think that they had enough time to upload or to share with other because there weren't others in the vicinity like they would have had to have sent a subspace signal or you know something to upload that information so in my mind even though it is a collective but it's its own unique bubble until they get around other borg then they can share i like That's that how I think that makes it. sense well, let's extrapolate a little further. How would Picard being dead affect the movie First Contact? You know, I was thinking that, and I'm wondering if the Borg might have lost its teeth if they assimilate Picard, and then we have the Lacutus and the Queen together, that maybe the Borg learn a little bit more humanity and learn to coexist with others. Could he have been that strong to change and to influence the Borg's main goal? So once again, Picard is sacrificing himself to teach humanity to another culture. Interesting. Do you think he could have overcome their strong desire to obtain perfection. It doesn't seem like he did when he was assimilated as Locutus, that he was the Borg spokesperson. Uh, but if just, he stayed and over time? If he stayed and and also if he, if he found that unit matrix zero, right, where they were kind of themselves within, yeah. I think he may have I don't think I know that Picard would have been able to unite people in that unimatrix, unimatrix zero and they would have figured out how to then um, 
bring their individualness out while they were conscious or out while they were bored drones and then wreak some havoc on the rest of the collective. And then we still could have seen Picard and Seven of Nine together on screen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and what if then the Picard series was at that moment when Picard became Locutus and instead of Star Trek Picard, it's Star Trek Locutus. And now we've got Locutus trying to influence and we get the coexistence of the Borg and humanity. Mm. Mm. I like that. Oh, that gave me chills. I want to see Star Trek Locutus. (laughs) (laughs) And you thought you wouldn't be any good at this kind of thing, Amy. Oh, my goodness. Let's write Alex Kurtzman. (laughs) (laughs) Again, this could have been one of the, well, it was one of the possible uh, timelines in parallels, right? There was the, oh, my God, we've been assimilated by the Borg. We're the only ship left. Yes. Crazy uh, caveman Riker. Yes. All right. Do we have any final thoughts for part one of our What If series? Well, thank you to Tracy for the email and for giving us the opportunity to start a whole new What If series. I really (laughs) wasn't expecting to go this far, but you guys are like positive, awesome thinkers, like down the line and what if this? And I really like discussing how the relationships would have changed, you know, and seeing what Tasha and Troy, they'd probably be better friends and, and Thomas and Troy. Well, obviously Troy, (laughs) some big thing there. Um, and yeah, would Picard have died? Would he have been Locutus? Would he have died before he got saved or after he got saved? Like these are all very interesting. I guess you would say mind experiments to sort of talk about and bring to our show. It's sort of like we could create you know, brand new episodes in our heads just by thinking about these what if scenarios. So I've really enjoyed talking about this. So thank you guys. Yeah, this this has been really fun. And I think we've just sort of scratched the surface of what if scenarios. I think there's a ton more out there. And I encourage listeners to write in and give us some what if scenarios for future, um, future episodes in this series. I think that would be great. Um, because if I love this using the creative part of my brain to uh, to to come up with these these scenarios, I think this has been really fun. Yeah, you know, I I love this series. I I, th- I was really excited when I when I heard it. It was just this is just so much fun to talk about and to 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 get that idea of you know what what could it have looked like, what would it have looked like, things like that. It's just. It, it's just fantastic, and I'm, I'm just so happy to, to be a part of all this. Well, it's been fun talking about what-ifs today. But that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Earl Grey. I guess what I'm seeing is that we're taking some of these later Borg ideas and kind of ret- retconning them back into the best of both worlds. It's stuff that's not necessarily that there. That is exactly what's that's happening cool. because I remember mm-hmm. Picard saying, like in First Contact, I can hear their voices. Hear them. You know, right, but, but that's that a, that's a first is yeah, way thing, further right? than where we are. So, oh my goodness, what our, man, our mind does. Crazy. Literary Treks. And suddenly now there aren't dozens of movies in the Kelvin universe. So it's not such a critical matter for original novels to be set in that universe to come out. When I was writing The Unsettling Stars, which was not the original title, but that's what we're gonna call it because that's what it is. I was very much aware of the two films that JJ had done. And I purposely wrote a book to do something that would not in any way that I could think of conflict with anything in the first two films. Primitive Culture, a look at history and culture through Star Trek. The corona epidemic 
is shocking. I mean, it's the, you know, we're having some of the most extreme measures being taken in, you know, living memory. I mean, you know, since the Second World War in this country, in many respects, the kind of things people are being asked to do, the level of involvement of the government in people's ordinary lives, totally unprecedented, certainly in, you know, our lifetimes um, and frankly in the lifetimes of most people who are alive you know in this world at the moment so there is that kind of sense that just when you think you're done with history something happens and sort of reminds you that, <laughs> that everything's not maybe as stable as it seems The Edge a Star Trek Discovery podcast I don't want them to look like original series Klingons or like next Maybe. generation Klingons or even like uh, Enterprise Klingons. I don't want that. I want them to look just modern. Yeah, you don't need to try to match an aesthetic from 20 to 50 years ago. You really just mm. don't. Don't do mm. that. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop Apple Podcasts app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join a larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show, like we did today. You can also find the network on Twitter and Instagram at trek.fm, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So Amy, where can people find you or contact you when you're not contemplating Thomas and Troy fanfic? Oh, I definitely am always doing that. You can find me on Twitter at Trek FM. You can find me over on United Federation of Podcast, where I host All Good Things. You can find me right there on the Babel Conference, waiting for your comments. And Pierre, where can people contact you when you're not thinking about becoming Lacutus Larocco? Um, you can find me at the Babel Conference. I'm always there uh, on Facebook. And then uh, my Twitter is at PLarocco21. And Kevin, where can people find you when you are not assisting Lacutus in bringing down the Borg from the inside? You will be assimilated. Uh, but you can find me on the podcast True North Nerds, which I do with some friends. We cover all manner of geekiness with a focus on our local region. Our last episode was about the current season of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Uh, you can also find me in the Babel Conference. You can find me on Twitter at True North Nerds and uh, on Facebook under my name, Kevin Sparrow. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Michael Huter, Thomas Appel, Chris Tribuzio, Jim McMahon, Justin Ozer, and Joe Keegan. Thank you for supporting Trek FM, and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Resistance is futile. Great joy and gratitude.
energize.